You're listening to the Replatform podcast sponsored by Ampliance, an API-first headless CMS and DAM, and Clavio, an email and SMS marketing automation platform. Uh, today, you're just stuck with me, James Gerd. Uh, my co-host, Paul Rogers, is unavailable. Um, so hello to our regular listeners and a warm welcome if you join us for the first time. You will be truly underwhelmed by my mediocrity, um, but delighted by our guest today. Um, do subscribe to get new episode alerts. We drop one every week and we'd love a like on YouTube, Spotify, Apple to make us feel warm inside. So that's my introductory shtick. So let's now talk about the topic and I'll introduce you to our guest today. So the topic is build an online marketplace for sustainable and eco-friendly products um, from independent UK brands. So really, really interesting brand and product. Um, what we're going to cover is choice of e-commerce platform of big commerce, building a product management system in-house, and using Search Spring for product data and so much more. So let me introduce our guest. Um, Ed Davies, you're the CEO and co-founder uh, of Worth London. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you, James? Oh, I'm very good. One thing, actually, I always wonder whether it was We Earth or Worth. I kept I kept struggling with that, and I believe it is Worth, though. That's how you say yeah, it. Yeah, we, we do get this a lot. Um, I think some people even are searching kind of We Earth on, on Google. Um, yeah, it is Worth, but kind of We Earth still works, so... Uh, if, uh, if people want to call it we are, if they, they can do. <laughs> Excellent. So before I start asking you our usual uh, gambit of questions, can you give the listeners like the, 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 the worst story? Like how did the brand come to life? What's your journey so far? And also how much fun are you having? Um, yeah, it's obviously a great question to start with. Um, so basically at, uh, after uni, uh, myself and uh, Imogen, our other co-founder, at the time we were basically starting to learn more about um, trying to be more eco-friendly and trying to basically have more of a positive impact on our planet. Um, but we found it difficult. We found it difficult to find brands which align with our values. Uh, and we often found we were also having to kind of do these deep dives in, into the internet to find products which were not only eco-friendly, but more oriented to what we wanted in terms of being a little bit more contemporary and, and stylish. Um, so what we started to do is do some more research and realise there were a lot of these independent UK brands out there um, just weren't always easy to find. Um, so we wanted to uh, create a, an online platform which brought these brands together uh, with two main aims, really. One was to create a platform for these brands to and a community, really, to, to help them grow, um, whilst also making it easier for consumers to shop uh, and live more consciously. With this overall ethos of um, making it add, um, lost my train of thought now. Uh, the, with the overall ethos, really, of uh, trying to change the perception around eco-friendly living, helping to move it into the perception into the into the mainstream um, by ultimately having this um, belief that no one has to be perfect to make a difference. Uh, you don't have to be this perfect eco-warrior who's producing no waste and is only eating vegan food to actually have a, um, to make a difference. Um, so we're trying to basically help encourage the mainstream as well as obviously the, the people who are already um, very conscious to be able to discover products and, and content which helps uh, with their journey so far. Fantastic. Really interesting. Yeah, that, that's a nice way of putting it. You don't have to be perfect to, to make positive change. So, um, yeah, let, let's start with we'll start with the technology stuff, and then we're going to talk some more about that, that eco and, and the sustainability angle later on. But let's start with the tech stack. Um, what made you select big commerce as an e-commerce platform? Everyone who listens into podcasts always wants to know, like, why do you go down a route? Because there are so many platforms out there. Yeah, of course, it's, it's obviously so, so fundamental. Um, so originally when we started Worth, um, we launched with Shopwired, 
um, which I don't know if you've come across as kind of a smaller UK platform. We were, we were choosing between Shopify and, and Shopwide at the time. And one of the reasons why we went with Shopwide is they had their own kind of in-house development team who would help basically build out the, the website. And we didn't have much experience at the time then. Um, and they were, they have been a really great platform, uh, really kind of no, no issues. Um, what we found though, so for example, now we basically bootstraps from, from year one. Uh, we haven't had any, had any investment until later last year. So three and a half years in and what we, um, found is that so we, in our first year we had about £34,000 of sales, nothing to kind of write home about, but we we're kind of happy that some people were, were getting to the website and we were ultimately learning about our brand, what we wanted to achieve and kind of our overall uh, messaging, as I say, and kind of it being more subtle in terms of not shouting, saying you have to save the world. It's more about if you make these changes, it can actually make a difference. Um, how we started to scale quite quickly. So about 30, from 34,000 in our first year, within a couple of years, we were kind of hitting about 1.5 million uh, in sales GMV. So we kind of got to a stage now where we were finding we needed more apps. Uh, we needed more kind of functionality to kind of get us to that next enterprise level scale. Uh, and although although there are some, some big companies on Shopwide, we felt that the app ecosystem wasn't strong enough for what we wanted to achieve. Um, so we ended up having to kind of do custom integrations to certain software, which inevitably made, made it more difficult and expensive. So we wanted to um, move to a platform which had that existing eco ecosystem. And we kind of spent two, two months kind of looking at platforms, watching lots of YouTube videos and blog posts and, and talking to different people uh, and big commerce and Shopify Plus um, quickly came the two kind of front runners uh, in that in that side of things. Imogen, our other co-founder, she has uh, another business uh, called Relikes, and they use Shopify for their business, so she's very familiar with it. Um, and we saw big commerce as emerging as I think one of the, I'd say the, the main competitor to, to Shopify. Obviously, Magento has been there, but I think Magento, um, big commerce, in my opinion, kind of sits in between Shopify and, and Magento in terms of the space, in terms of having the the openness in terms of the headless um, and just being a little bit more of an open platform. Um, whilst Magento obviously can be very expensive developer-wise. Developer um, so we're obviously choosing between Shopify Plus and Big Commerce. And it was somewhat of a, a toying cost, but at the same time, there were kind of two main factors which helped us go with, with Big Commerce. Firstly, for us, SEO is very important. Um, it has been kind of from the start and it's one of been kind of key drivers behind our growth. And with kind of Shopify's URL structure, it would have mean that we would have had to basically change all of our URLs, whereas BigCommerce already matched um, our category stru structure and URL structure, so there was no, no change there. Um, and that kind of also just gave us an insight into thinking kind of from an SEO point of view, although kind of Shopify can obviously rank well still, we wanted to have a platform which has a little bit more focus on, on SEO, which um, big commerce arguably has, um, although it obviously depends on, on the business. Um, another element um, was finding 5874, uh, kind of a big commerce specialist agency. We felt it would be a, a good fit for our, for our goals. And ultimately, we felt that if we have a, a good development agency who we who we trust and who are specifically focused on, on big commerce, so it makes more sense to to go with them over over Shopify.
Yeah, excellent. Thanks. I, I love these these questions because everyone has different sets of criteria and decision uh, motivation. So interested here. And, and yeah, you mentioned five eight seven four. They're good friends of, of ours as well. Um, we like them. What's in, I find it interesting. You you went from a, so you went from technology. We had like their own development into like the open SaaS world with big commerce, where you pick a development partner. And some mm-hmm. people find that move from proprietary to that open world with agency plus vendor. Um, hard to get the head around because it's a different model love love to hear like having gone through that process of picking a partner on top of the platform what advice could you give other people like what should people look for in a partner what makes a good partner alongside a good platform i think a key part of it is the the human aspect um if you get along with uh, the team and um for example also what their their general interests are and and looking at what they've what they've built before um so they've worked with some some big companies like um college shows and and um kind of johnny walker so they had the kind of the reputation there um but kind of speaking to them they came across very kind of friendly and kind of got got on got on well with them uh, and they'd also just kind of written a, a, a white paper on kind of eco-friendly uh, commerce and so there was a, an interest there amongst their amongst their team we spoke to, to different agencies um from the shopify big commerce um world and yeah it was really that, that human aspect as long as as well as obviously looking at their, their credentials and and the team and one of the things we liked about five five eight seven four is the fact that they also had a um, a marketing side as well. Although we obviously didn't work too closely with the the marketing team, it meant that they had um, that kind of breadth of experience. For example, with SEO, so just to double double check everything's making sense from from that point of view, because it's obviously so fun, fundamental for us to be able to migrate in a way which. We're not losing that that SEO value because ultimately well, we probably wouldn't be in business if, if the if the URLs uh, if the traffic suddenly dropped massively. So someone who had experience, I think if we stayed in Shopwired, we probably would have just done the redesign um, with a freelancer or or using some of our own um, experience. But given we we're migrating to a new platform which we weren't familiar with, um, I think is kind of essential to have that someone who's been there done that and they, they had a, a great team and working with several people from the design phase to um the overall um kind of tech stand that we've developed yeah it's, it's interesting you say the people side i think the, the cultural fit is underestimated in in rfps and selections and mm-hmm. and it really screw up relationships later on when there is just a, a kind of jarring of, of working approaches so yeah interesting um yeah, and- at the end of the day, we, we worked with five, well, we still pretty much every week have a call with them, but we, we were working with them intensely for, for eight months. It's effectively a, an extension of, of your team and yeah. it's almost, um, the decision process is almost like a, an interview for hiring a, a member of your team. You kind of have to see whether whether does that fit, as you say. Uh, yeah, I think that's a nice way of framing it. Recruit recruit them like you would be recruiting internally um, because it's that close relation. Excellent. Um, and we were talking just before we start recording about you're building out um, your own product management tool rather than going down the route of a third-party PIM like Akinio. Um, I'd love to – our audience, I think, would really in, uh, enjoy understanding this. What has made you go down the route of building a product management tool and what, what will it do? What are the added value to you rather than just using an e-commerce platform for product data? Yeah, of course. So I guess to provide some context at the moment, um, so we see Worth as a as a managed marketplace. So rather than Etsy, where the, the brands would list all their products, um, do their own customer service, do their own marketing, 
what we effectively do is is um, partner with the brands quite quite closely, get all the information about the products, which we'll go on to later, um, and upload the products ourselves. Kind of making sure that it kind of really fits into, for example, the lifestyle images. So although we're using different imagery, if you go down the site, they, there's no general feel of terms of like nice lifestyle Instagram style photos as as the main photos, rather than these kind of cut out um, floating images. So we've been uploading our own products since day one, which was fine when we had 20, 30 brands. Now we're working with 300 brands. It's just become a, a big bottleneck, both in terms of editing existing products, but also getting new products on, on, the, on the platform, as well as um, being able to quickly um, upload new, new, new brands as well. So it's been one of those things where we wanted to address it for a while now. Uh, and we've been looking at PIMS for a good six months to really see what's out there um looking at kind of a kinio on, on a more enterprise scale uh, and then some smaller more um simplified pims what we found though is that what we need is actually relatively simple we need the vendors to be able to go in upload or edit products um, have it tailored towards the information we need um, so for example we we're looking at webcool which has a um effectively a simple product um, form but it was there was lots of information which wasn't needed um, and we wanted to have a basically make it as efficient as possible and as easy for our brands to upload uh, and then there's an approval process where we can edit the photos or descriptions just to make sure um, it's all in alignment with the information that we need um, and then it gets pushed pushed through to our to our website and we found that ultimately the PIMs were too complicated for what our needs and, and as a result we're also in terms of pricing very enterprise heavy um if you're spending kind of two or three thousand pounds a month on, on a PIM at least it's obviously quite a significant amount of money um considering we're obviously still somewhat in, in a startup phase although we have recently finished a, a raise so ultimately we wanted a, a solution which was basically fitted perfectly into what we need um, and I think there is a, a, a gap in the market for more simplified PIMs, which just do what they say on, on, on the tin, really, especially when you have um, kind of multiple people working on on creating products. And I think there would be a use case for this system to not only be uh, a multi-vendor system, and that's one of the things that the, many of the PIMs didn't even have. They didn't have the ability to have lots of different um, brands being able to upload products but also being able to allow maybe you have three or four people um, creating and merchandising products on your website to be able to easily streamline that process and have it tailored again towards the information needed not all the different because obviously there's so many different fields you can fill out um, having it tailored to, to exactly to that to make it basically quick quick and easy to upload and, and get it onto the site yeah, it's interesting that that whole supplier enablement piece is such a challenge when you're in marketplace commerce. The, the product data management and quality, so that you don't have junk on your site, but even the speed at which you get people on, so that a new supplier doesn't get put off and think, "Do you know what? I'm giving up." Yeah, exactly. That's it's, it's one of the upsides of marketplace in that if we wanted to upload a new brand, um, it would take us kind of three or four weeks to to do it from contacting to, to getting it live. Whereas with this new product management system, it might take one or two weeks um, and it would be a much easier process all around because ultimately the brand still needs to provide us with all the information uh, on, uh, on a, an Excel. The difference is now they can do it within a, a system where we then just have to approve it and, and as I say, kind of make sure it's all making sense. 
Um, yeah, we did a podcast recently with Convictional who focus on the piece before that, supplier enablement and, and, and platforms to get people to, to rapidly sign up suppliers, um, not the product data side, but the onboarding bit. So, yeah, it's an interesting area because marketplace commerce is growing. So, um, But li- li- we're talking about product data. I know you also use Search Spring, and I know that product data is critical because, yeah, I'm a customer. I mean, I love the site. I've bought so many of the products. Um, my current yeah. favorite is the is the men's deodorant, um, all natural ingredient. It's fantastic. Um, but there are so many different attributes. You know, you've got vegan, cruelty free. I mean, there's so many different subsections of what sustainability and eco friendly is, and that level of data granularity is so important. So. Why, why search spring and why is something like that needed in addition to big commerce? I think it would help people to understand how additional bits of technology improve control and, and customer experience. Yeah, so as you say, was, there's a lot of information provided by the brands and, and this is intentional. It's to basically find as much information from the brand so we can allow the customers to make an, an informed decision and also shop by certain characteristics to align their journey with that with their values. So if you're talking about you're looking for a natural deodorant or vegan deodorant, you can obviously filter by all of our products are vegan friendly as well, but you can filter by certain values. Um, one of the most popular ones is kind of plastic free or made in UK. So you can kind of support UK makers or have a completely kind of plastic free um, product. So with this, we wanted to have a, a complete solution across search, product recommendation and merchandising where it was more AI driven and previously we would have to, um, from a merchandising point of view, we'd have to be ranking lots of different products manually, looking at data and trying to, to trying to work it out. Whereas with SearchSpring, it, what it offers us is a, we were looking for a solution which went across those three areas. Before we had a, we were using Salesfire for our search. We were using um, another company for our recommendations, and we thought it'd be better to have it all unified under one system. So there's all that data being being shared, and hopefully, over, it's obviously we launched in November, so there's still a bit of optimization and learning to do. But um, we think with the the way AI is also developing, it should really help with both from a time perspective but also helping to improve the customer journey and having creating more relevant products because if we can look at that data we can obviously start to make recommendations on it's not obviously only products we'd be interested in but products which have values which um, ultimately you share and and it helps uh, helps achieve that so that's basically the, the reason behind behind search spring um, and I think they're they're a nice kind of middle ground between the super super enterprise solutions which can be of a fortune um whilst having those enterprise level features and the support and the the technology to really to really back it up what's nice about it as well is that although we want to have that kind of automation if we want to for example push these seasonal products for christmas it's very easy in their in their back end to to do that um it's a, a drag and drop effectively so there is that that granularity if you need it um which i know can be important especially given the kind of seasonality and, and trends of certain products yeah uh, definitely i mean there's so much technology out there what was price the main driver of, of how you got to search spring or was it recommended or you used it before like how did you get to that versus others so this is one of the other benefits of 5874 is they have um an ecosystem partners who they've worked with previously have a relationship and 
know ultimately works well and and has done for for our customers. So it was a, a recommendation from from SearchSpring. Um, we were looking at another. It might be Clavu. Um, I don't. I, 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 either Clavu is not Clavio. There's, there's so many uh, yeah. uh, and Clavios. Yeah. It's Clavu. Um, but yeah, we went with we went with SearchSpring um, because of their their recommendation and. and Considering it was so widespread across our site, from the category pages to recommendations to recently viewed, um, 5874 obviously very used to developing websites using SearchSpring. Uh, any any issues would be resolved quickly, um, and I think that helped with the with the build phase, um, especially as there's lots of kind of nuances with um, the personalizations to make it really work as it should do. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good bit of advice as well. Is when you're working with a, a, an agency partner like Five Eight Seven Four, whoever you're working with, if they have experience of implementing the tool, start there. If you if you don't have a a, a predefined favorite, and look at whether that can satisfy the use cases, because there's there's a lot of benefits if you know somebody's integrated it and has got a, a, an existing approach to it. That can save you time and money as well. Um, and so, next question I've got is, um, I guess it's more around kind of brand. Uh, and um, uh, and the people you work with and your audience. So on the site, I think the state you stay like eighty percent plus female founded brands. I'd love to know why is this? Uh, is this like a core driver? And how do you actually go about achieving this? Do you have a specific KPI for number of female founded brands, for example? Yeah, no, of course. So being uh, an ethical and conscious business, we have to have very kind of strong values in, in, in lots of respects from the, from the brands we work with in terms of the own schemes we have in terms of kind of having carbon neutral delivery and helping to uh, plant trees and ultimately our our goal is to champion independent brands and uh, champion UK entrepreneurship it's um, obviously we have Imogen our, our co-founder in the business as well and if you look into it what you find is it's um, female entrepreneurs receive less funding by a by a huge amount, um, as well as less support and um, for men as well. There is um, uh, an emerging kind of movement towards kind of female entrepreneurship and and helping to encourage them and kind of female angel groups, um, which is which is great to see. But we felt we it's not like we specifically look for female founded businesses from the start. It's more of how our brand has evolved over the years um looking at how we're the brands we're working with um and also just getting a sense of what our customers are looking for their their interests so but yeah around 80 percent of our, our brands are well over 80 percent of our brands are female founded um and around 60 percent of our our customers are, are women as well so we wanted to um champion the fact that we were um had a, a wide range of, of businesses um, and with a particular focus on, on female founded um, brands. Going forward, um, one of our key aims for 2022 is to, um, we obviously have a, we still have a diverse range of brands uh, from a ethnicity point of view, but what we want to be able to do is, is to really kind of help to create a platform for a whole range of, of brands because ultimately there aren't that many places out there which have um, a focus on diversity but also generally helping to, to promote um, independent brands um, especially working closely with them so that's a, a key aspect is to ensure that our I guess our community is representative of, of the overall community in the UK. 
Yeah, I think that's that's a really nice thing because it's very easy to lose sight of that when you're yeah. running a business with all the day-to-day stresses and like the strategic plan. So yeah, it's nice to hear that. Um, and you talked about eco-credentials, which obviously like, they're increasingly important to, con- to consumers and they're influencing people's shopping decisions and it's core to your brand. I'd love to hear, you talked about carbon neutral delivery, which as like a USP is, is generally quite impactful. Um, how, how do you go about achieving that? Is, is it something that you've deliberately done or is it simply about the carrier partnerships? And have you had any, has it had any like negative impact in terms of things like you know, cost for the customer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so as, as I was saying, with, with the way our, our business is set up is that at the core of everything we do, which isn't always easy, um, it's obviously there's being an eco-friendly company, conscious company is difficult, um, especially being a startup where costs are obviously a, a, a key element, but ultimately the reason why we set up Worth in the first place was to, I guess, um, be part of this movement towards um, running companies differently and, and having profits not necessarily always being at a, at a kind of core um, aim of the, of the business, especially in, in the early days. Um, and the delivery is obviously a key aspect of the negative um, of um, e-commerce in terms of uh, the emissions produced. So about I think it was about two years ago, we were looking at solutions to uh, enable us to mitigate all the, all the carbon. Um, so we partner with uh, a third party company called Climate Partner. Uh, and they partner with a range of companies from from big um, companies to, to to startups like us. And we wanted an, an independent specialist who, how it works is so we don't deliver any of our products, our brands and do it. So we're looking at the, um, the order data, the d- delivery distances, um, product weight. Uh, and we provide all of this information on, a, on an order level um, in, a, in a big spreadsheet, which we send to, to Climate Partner. And they then calculate how much um, carbon was produced uh, and then we pay to um, offset the carbon through a range of their own accredited schemes, um, for example, forestation projects. Um, the, the cost is actually quite low. Um, it's obviously there is a, a resource in terms of us having to keep on, on track of all that data, but we review it um, about every six months to, to a year um, and then we go ahead and, and mitigate it. So. In terms of the cost and the um, the practical element, I think that most companies would actually be able to do it um, without it being affecting the bottom line. Um, it's I guess which one of those things where where's the priority for that particular business? For us, it's obviously trying to be as as green as possible. Um, but I would I would encourage all e-commerce businesses to be able to do it because it's not it's um, an easy win in that sense of of being able to help um, the environment, but also help kind of provide that trust to, to customers as well. Carbon neutral delivery is a genuine USP because there's not many companies that can say that. Do you measure the impact in terms of, well, you know, how can we justify this based on conversion rate and retention? Or is it simply a case of, well, we take that cost because we believe in it from a brand point of view? I'd say it's, it's, it's both really. Um, so what we want to demonstrate, um, especially as we started to evolve the business, is that we want to show that you can create a successful business whilst um, also having these values at the core of our business. Um, there is obviously a commercial aspect in that 
um, it will, we think, will help with conversion. We don't have any specific data, but it does come up with the reviews and on press. And as I said, with, with this podcast, you've, you've brought it up as well. So it is a, it is an important um, <clears throat> kind of USP that we have for our business. Um, at the same time, we would have been doing it anyways. It's one of those kind of um, things that it just makes sense for, for us to do it as a business. Um, and we want to be kind of part of, as I say, a part of this movement towards creating strong businesses with, at the same time, strong values at the, at the core of, our, of what we're doing. Um, so, yeah, it has been, has been uh, an important aspect of, of what we're doing. Cool. And, uh, yeah, I'd like to talk about the zero waste range that you have, which... Yeah, again, it's it's so important. It's minimizing packaging, minimizing waste. And I, as a consumer, I get so wound up by how much pointless packaging there is and stuff, and it drives me nuts. And I think my yeah. kids are utterly bored of me banging on about we're not getting that, we're not getting that, we're not getting that. So, I, but equally, a lot of businesses have been called out and and you know PR embarrassed around greenwashing, where they claim stuff that that can't really be validated or is scientifically you know, argue to not be the right thing to do. So I'd love to know, how do you design, uh, define zero waste and how do you validate it so you you can't then be be pulled up and go and hang on a minute, that's not right? Yeah, of course. And you know, greenwashing is obviously a very important term in, in this space and it's something we have to naturally be very conscious of um, kind of throughout the business. I think there's a wider context uh, to the question of... Um, I think it's important to address first and how we select products uh, on worth. Um, so our, our overarching focus is on working with independent UK brands who have this kind of clear focus uh, on the environment and ethics. It's not just kind of a, a CSR aspect. It's a, a lot of these brands have actually started over the last kind of few years in response to the climate emergency. So it's kind of very agile small startups slash um, um, SMEs who really have this clear focus. So we look at the brand holistically in terms of its values, social, in terms of what it's saying on social media, tone of voice, and of course their products. Um, and then on a category level, we have um, very specific criteria. So for example, our jewellery department, we department, we partner with UK jewellery makers who use recycled silver and gold, uh, environmentally friendly packaging. Um, and it helps us to really identify whether a brand and its products is a fit uh, on a category level. Then on a product level, um, before the products go live, um, we get additional information. So the main values, is it plastic free? Is it made in UK? Um, is it made from recycled materials? We then also get information on the materials, the ingredients, uh, the product and the delivery packaging. And we provide all of this information to the customer so they can make an informed decision and understand why this product isn't worth. Obviously, we look at the product before they go live, but the main aim is to um, ensure that the, the products are meeting our values and getting as much information uh, as possible. With regards to zero waste, here are the main criteria is on products, which, um, as you alluded to, helps reduce waste uh, and the, the amount of single-use plastic. And it's it's obviously very, very important um, for us to be able to try and address this. It's one of those things where once you kind of realise the impact of, of plastic, you realise you start to just you go in a supermarket or walk into many shops and you're just uh, surrounded by surrounded by plastic. And it can feel quite overwhelming sometimes. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we wanted to create uh, <clears throat> the zero waste category, which had all of these kind of, plastic-free, reusable and refillable products, which make it easier to um, reduce waste. Zero waste in itself is is a bit of a contentious um, 
term because some view it as to be unrealistic to produce no waste and of course that is true but many regard it also to be a a good umbrella term for trying uh, to be more conscious of your waste and reduce the way you can rather than try to fit all of your zero waste in in a jar um, which for the for the standard family or or individual obviously isn't isn't achievable so it's really about doing what you can um, and this is kind of one of the ethos is here at Worth, um, that it's impossible to be this kind of perfect eco-warrior and, and making small changes can still make a difference. And for us, I think one of the purposes behind Worth is to partner with these brands with a clear focus. And also <clears throat> our viewpoint is that if you're smaller, you can tend, and obviously newer to an extent, it's easier to adapt to the market than a bigger brand where it's obviously not as easy. Uh, we don't kind of criticise big companies for... Um, the products they produce because ultimately they've been doing this for some companies 20 30 50 years it will naturally take time to to adapt and we always um <clears throat> are encouraged when we see big companies um doing doing things that i think there is a another kind of wider context in that it's very easy to be critical of, of other, other companies and i don't think it's obviously very important that we're ensuring that greenwashing isn't taking place and that we're checking the products and and on, I'm talking on a society level here. At the same time, if a, if a company is trying its best with the, with the conditions and the, the context that it has, we should be encouraging that rather than um, always focusing on, on the negative because I think that that doesn't necessarily help the overall kind of movement towards trying to live in a more conscious way. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, you run a, you've got a loyalty program. A, a couple of uh, questions about loads of people either do loyalty or are interested and are always thinking, is it really worth it? How should we do it? Do people really care? So, love to know, do you use a specific technology for loyalty? Uh, and then also, what what have you learned? What what works? What actually um, gets people to buy into a loyalty program? Yeah, so we use Smile, um, Smile.io for our loyalty scheme. Um, again, kind of uh, a company that 5874 have worked with in the past. Um, we launched it at the same time as the website. Um, so only uh, only a couple of months ago now. But so it's still a little bit early to know the kind of the impacts on retention and, and purchase frequency. <clears throat> Although the, the early signs are, are good. So in the last 30 days, we had about 675 members join the scheme. Um, and one of the ways I think we've helped to encourage people to join it is to to brand it, not just have like, oh, join our loyalty scheme. <clears throat> we wanted to, uh, sorry, one second. <clears throat> we wanted to um, have this kind of idea of the worth circle. So really kind of trying to create a community where people are ultimately have, being able to save 10% on all, on all their orders, um, as well as kind of being part of a, a rewards program where they can kind of share with their friends. Um, and I think that's one of what we're trying to achieve. And it's not easy, as you say, kind of loyalty schemes, I think, can work and, and sometimes don't. I think something that Smile told us, and I think is important when thinking about creating a scheme, is having the rewards um, relatively quick. Um, so kind of within around free purchases, for example, uh, being able to for the customer to get a reward. Because um, I think sometimes it can feel like 
you need to kind of spend a thousand pounds before you before you get it get anything back so i think being for the customers to be able to see that they can actually start to earn these points quite quickly um it also i think depends on, on the company for us what we're trying to because we have like a range of uh, kind of cleaning products and toiletries and from to, to gifts and, and kind of homewares we have a lot of products where we're trying to encourage um people to come back and and it's these products, for example, the toiletries, as you say, with the, the natural deodorant. By using that on a day-to-day basis, you're helping to reduce waste in terms of that that deodorant you'd be using, um, a kind of a non-recyclable version. These everyday products are the products which have the biggest impact, and we want to be encouraging people to to be using them uh, and being able to offer a loyalty program like Smile. Um, should hopefully help, but as I say, it's, it's a little bit too early to tell. But I guess the but it's positive that we are getting a decent amount of signups um, early on. Cool. Yeah, I know a few other people using Smiles. Interesting to, to see that mentioned. And one last technology question. So, obviously, checkout's critical to any e-commerce site. Um, the, you know, brand brands drive so much like traffic and retention. But if the checkout's a mess, you can lose people quite easily. You've got fast checkout, and so we're seeing the likes of Fast and Bolt really, really starting to take off on on e-commerce. Um, I'd love to love to be able to share some information with people. Like, what impact have you ha- find found with Fast? Like, why did you go with Fast? And how many what percentage of people um, do you find go straight to that rather than going through your normal checkout and using other payment methods? Yeah, checkout, as you say, is, is so kind of fundamental for, for a good website. And, and to an extent, I think it can make or make or break a website, which is unfortunate sometimes given the kind of you've, got, you've persuaded the customer to or um, encourage the customer to find the products which they want and they get to checkout. And then if the experience isn't positive, maybe they'll drop out then or they'll purchase once and, and, and that would be it. Um, I think Fast is a good example of what I touched upon earlier about um, the app ecosystem and being able to easily add new features to a site with big commerce and I think going forward as as the kind of big commerce seems to have quite um, big plans in terms of the the ecosystem their, their general features that I think the, the website will naturally evolve over time uh, as well um, so we obviously wanted to um, have as an efficient uh, and um, best solution out there for for our checkout uh the big commerce uh checkout in general is, is pretty good it's a one page uh, checkout whereas before we had about three pages which is which is nice but what we wanted to have is a, a one-click um checkout solution on the product page and we came across fast and and uh, 5074 were starting to learn about them as well um and it's really kind of made i think quite a significant difference already this kind of one click checkout solutions only really been available to some big players like amazon up until recently and now fast have come along and uh i think that there is a potential for it to they obviously they've raised a crazy amount of money and, and backed by stripe so i think there is a a significant opportunity for it to be its own brand in its own right for example similar to paypal or stripe um given given the time and the kind of development that, that they're doing um it represents around um 14 of our sales at the moment um which i think is is pretty decent um especially as i, I say i think as a brand grows and people understand what fast actually means in terms of they can check out quickly and they have their account details already there we expect that this will this will grow over time 
and how it affects your works is that basically if you're on a product you can you can click onto uh, the fast checkout it will take you straight to that, to that checkout um, you can either go back to the site um, and add any more orders but you basically have five minutes um, to, to do that um, I don't think it, it doesn't delete, delete delete the order but it just that's just how, how it works um, and then you basically just enter the information very quickly if you obviously already got an account you basically just press pay and and that's done it's a little bit it's similar to PayPal Express um, but say it's more on a on a product level um, which is we do have PayPal as well but it's just a, another option to provide our customers um, what's been interesting is is looking at the um, AOV um, so for fast it's about 25 pounds whereas our AOV kind of varies between 35 and 40 pounds so people are spending less I think it's indicative of um, people who are our customers already know if they already know what they're looking for. For example, you're buying your deodorant again. You want to you want to buy it quickly and, and get on with your day. You could use it to quickly purchase and and, and stock up on on that. We are also looking at adding in subscriptions. Um, the issue being is that we're so we're looking at mini BC as a way of adding adding them in. The only issue is that fast isn't compatible with subscriptions yet. And so it doesn't, and so mini BC wouldn't work. Or well, it would work, but if the customer went through to the fast checkout, then it then it wouldn't work that way. So we're trying to come up with a solution there where we can have both both fast and a subscription. Um, but it's not it's not clear yet. But I think that I guess that's a good example of the importance. So we spent about six weeks with Five X Seven Four doing a discovery phase, and um, obviously at that time there's less knowledge about fast albeit now they would they would, they would say that it wouldn't be possible but i think it's, it's good to have a a general roadmap in terms of how these features will interact with each other and that's a good example of of an area where they don't kind of they're not compatible together um so i think it's always important to have that that phase of of delivery where well, the phase of planning where you're really understanding your tech ar architecture because i think when it gets to the build stage there's inevitably going to be small things here and there, like the subscriptions, where where it wasn't possible. But if there's that roadmap, it really makes it easy to to um, follow the progress and and know know what the end result is going to be as well. Yeah, definitely, and and I guess that helps you make better decisions in in your user journey. Of well, actually, if we know there's a subscription product, we disable fast in the checkout is one option. And yeah, it's interesting. I mean, this is why we love these these podcasts because people get to realize that, oh, actually, if I'm going to use this, which seems great, but I then want to add this other process or flow in, I might have to think that through in more detail. Um, what, one related question is, have you know you said AOVs though, which I, I'm not surprised because I use fast checkout because I wanted to know what, what it looked like as a customer and the editing, the order is brilliant. If you're like, oh, oh, I forgot to add that or I no, I only wanted to. But does it drive greater purchase frequency? Um, do you know yet? Or is it too early days to know? It is still two early days, but one of the reasons why we have fast, one of the reasons why we've implemented loyalty scheme, and there's obviously lots of benefits to the marketplace model, and there's downsides as well. One is obviously defensibility, and <clears throat> the customer can easily go purchase elsewhere um, onto the brand's website, and to an extent on some some marketplaces. Although the breadth of products and brands we have um, in the eco-friendly spaces is pretty pretty large. Um, 
But one of the reasons, for example, to have fast is to have the best kind of customer experience out there and make it as easy as possible for everyone has uh, their busy lives. Um, it's not, and obviously it's not easy to be eco-friendly generally, but even spending uh, time on e-commerce websites, you obviously want to keep it as, as efficient as possible to providing information and then allowing people to quickly check out. Um, so I think it, it will help with, with frequency over time. Uh, I'd say it's a little bit too early, early to know, but I think um, the early indications is that is that it would. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a really interesting tool, and I think they are planning on, for example, introducing subscriptions at some stage. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how they develop as a as a payment payment gateway as well. Yeah, yeah, it is interesting. Um, Ed, I've really really enjoyed this uh, this episode. Uh, you know, personal bias for me as well because I've I've been a customer for. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a good few months with you guys and my kids love your products as well so number one thanks for making an amazing brand and for and for something that's a positive story out there um but also thank you for taking the time to share your your kind of insights into to building out this business mm-hmm. no no i really appreciate it it's been a yeah, it's been great to kind of reflect on what's been a well over a year process we started looking at a new website in about december in terms of choosing a platform and then in, in February we started to work with 5874 so it's been nice to kind of reflect on on what we've what we've done and for us now it's uh yeah it's about seeing what we can now we have the website it's about obviously taking things to to, to the next level and one thing we haven't really touched upon um and one and another reasons why I went with with big commerce is um obviously talked about headless but one thing we wanted to do with the new website was to be able to launch a new content platform with lots of different authors. And um, we had a, a blog before, which was performing well, but it wasn't very kind of branded. It wasn't kind of particularly pretty. It was one of, one of the downsides of a kind of an e-commerce blog. Um, so what we were na- able to do is um, with big commerce, with their WordPress plugin, is to actually have the... Um, WordPress run our blog uh, and sit within the main URL um, slash blog via via reverse proxy, which has just enabled us to really. <clears throat> it's only launched in November, so we're starting to develop the content out now. But it's just given us the the freedom with WordPress to retake really the content side of next to next level, whilst also having big commerce running all the e-commerce side of things. So that flexibility, I think, is a good example of compared to Shopify, where I think they are moving towards headless and 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 integrating things like WordPress. But I think big commerce at the moment uh, as a platform seems to be a little, a little bit ahead in that sense. The the, the joys of no platform is 100% perfect and uh, and you you pick it based on its best merits it's always a fun fun uh, uh process for any business um but uh, yeah thanks ever so much for taking the time um and thanks to everyone who listened in i hope you've enjoyed it as much as i've done keep your ears open for the next episode as i say they land um, most tuesdays and please do subscribe if you haven't already and give us a rating on apple spotify youtube helps our visibility and encourage us to keep producing this content so until next week everybody For more information on this topic, head over to replatform.fm for our audio podcasts. To discuss a project, or if you'd like to chat about any of the topics covered in this episode in more detail, please reach out to myself, James Gerd, or my co-host, Paul Rogers, via LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and keep your ears peeled for the next episode.